0: the Lord, Lord, my soul, O oh, my soul, I worship His holy name. sing like never Bless the Lord For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Hallelujah. And bless the Lord, oh my soul. I worship your holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. And on that day, when my strength. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, Oh my soul, i worship your holy name. And sing like never before, Oh my soul, i worship your holy name. Sing it again now. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name, and sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship you. I will worship your holy name Once again now, I will worship your holy name Amen You love him, put your hands together for him tonight <laughs> Hallelujah Amen Why don't you sing this song with me I will enter his gates with thanksgiving Amen of I believe it is I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart I'll enter His courts with praise I will say this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice for He has made me glad Oh, He has made me glad Yes, He has made me glad I will rejoice for Him He has made me glad He has made me glad Oh, He has made me glad I will rejoice for He has made me glad And I will enter His gates With thanksgiving in my heart I will enter His courts with praise And I will say this is the day That the Lord has made me. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Oh, yes, he has made me glad. Yes, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. i redeem, I'm praise the Lord. Oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord, say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Praise the Lord. I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh glory, glory. Christ is mine. All oh, to Him I am resigned. I have been. I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to Him I now resign. I have been. I have been. Hallelujah. Sorry, I think we had it in a little bit of a high key there for you. Amen. Hallelujah. love Him? Amen. Let's sing another uh, song that slips my mind. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. That's it. Hosanna, blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for he is worthy to be praised. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for he is worthy. blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. oh, blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock of my salvation. Well, glory, glory to His name, He lives and reigns forevermore. Glory, glory to His name He lives and reigns forevermore Hosanna, blessed be the rock Oh, blessed be the rock of my salvation Hosanna, blessed be the rock Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Jehovah Jireh is His name. For He provideth all my needs. Jehovah Jireh is His name. For He provideth all my needs. Hosanna, oh, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Could we bring it up to the key of G? If you're in the battle for the Lord and right, amen, we want to keep on the firing line. Let's sing it together. Well, if you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face. If we die of fighting, it is no disgrace. A coward in the service, he will find no place. So keep on firing now. Will you aspire be brave against all And if you win, God in the righteous, keep on the firing line. Listen now. Well, God will only use a soldier he can trust, right? Keep on the firing line. And if you wear a crown, then bear the cross you must. Lord, oh, just keep on the firing line. Life is but to labor for the master, dear. To banish evil and to spread good cheer. Great, you'll be rewarded for your service here. Oh, keep on the firing line, Well, you must fight. Just keep on that firing line, and when we see the souls that we have helped to win, leading them to Jesus from the paths of sin, and with a shout of welcome, we'll all march in. Oh, keep on the firing line, singing out, Will you must try be brave again. All evil never run or even lag behind if you would win for just keep on the firing line Well I can run through a troop and leap over a wall Hallelujah Oh hallelujah Well he's my rock and my shield he gives power to all Hallelujah Oh, hallelujah And now I'm free From condemnation Cause Jesus is the rock oh, of my salvation I can run through the tree And leap over a wall Hallelujah Oh, hallelujah Sing out, Well, I can run through the truth and deep over a wall, hallelujah, oh hallelujah, well he's my rock and my shield and he gives power to all, hallelujah, oh hallelujah, and now I'm free from condemnation, Jesus is the rock oh, of my salvation, I can run through the truth, and leap over the wall, hallelujah, oh hallelujah. Amen, give him some more praise, hallelujah, amen,
1: aren't you glad you're free from condemnation? God bless you this evening, welcome to our Bible study with HBT, and we are honored to have you with us tonight. Trusting that the Lord will speak to our hearts and to comfort us with these presence tonight. May the Lord richly bless you all. Let's just jump right into our study tonight and as we do we want to have a word of prayer this evening uh, together with uh, all of you and uh, now is a good time for you to hold your prayer request on your heart and also to gather everybody together. Grab your Bible, you're gonna need it tonight. We're gonna look at a couple of scriptures here and talk a little bit about Shalom in the home. Or uh, lots of people have come up with uh, different and interesting names uh, for this little series. Uh, Everything's Good in the Hood. Uh, You know, just a number of different names there and I appreciate the creativity, but um, I'd be more excited if everybody was involved in the application of this. So let's, uh, let's just jump in tonight and uh, take our Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter two, and we'll, um, we'll just study a little bit for tonight. <clears throat> we want to uh, remember brother Joe Cockman, uh, Brother Joe had a fall yesterday and hurt his wrist and so his arm and we want to remember him in prayer that everything will heal up uh, just right. We also wanna remember uh, Sister Karen's grandson, Lincoln, who's still struggling. He's doing, he's not in the hospital, uh, but we still wanna just pray that the Lord will uh, just correct the things in him that are not exactly right and give him the strength that he needs. Wanna remember brother uh, Keith Buchanan has a special request tonight, also brother Ron Spencer, and uh, brother Ron's going through some uh, different testing still. And uh, we're asking that uh, the Lord will undertake on his behalf as well. I think it's good for all of us to pray uh, for him. He's just remarkable that he's done as well as he has, but we wanna continue to remember him as we look to the Lord. And then uh, lastly, we wanna remember the drums. Uh, I was, uh, yesterday I was with brother and sister Drum. We were down in the mountains in North Carolina and had the opportunity to speak at the graveside of Sister Greg. Uh, in the Gregg family cemetery uh, right next to brother Bruce. And uh, it was really nice to be there. It was an honor to be able to speak uh, among the family and for those that were gathered there yesterday. So we wanna remember them in prayer, especially, and just trust that the Lord will uh, comfort them in their time of loss. And uh, Sister Gregg was a big part of their lives, obviously. And uh, they've been together and been in church together for many, many years. and. They certainly will miss Sister Greg in the days that lay ahead. And so we want to remember all of them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move among us tonight, Lord, in a special way. We often ask that, Lord. We often pray that way. But it is because we believe it's true that, Lord, you can be in many places all at the same time. You can speak to many hearts, even, Lord, if we're not in the same room. And Lord, you can cause us to be connected by the Spirit in a supernatural way. Lord, a way that the world may not understand. But Lord, we just sense the fellowship and the presence of the believers. And I ask that you would just minister to each and every one. For Lord, we know that you are good and you design things, Lord, to come out well. And Father, your desire is to bless your people in a special way we have listed requests here before you tonight and we pray that you would minister to each and every one we pray for those who are sick we also pray for those who are suffering loss and we ask lord that you would just bring healing where it's needed i pray in the comfort of your presence in the lives of your people bless those who are listening today lord and i ask that you would just minister to them and open our hearts that we might receive from you because you are a god of answers and a god of mercy and we depend upon that principle tonight. Have your way, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Get your amen button out tonight. And uh, this is your amen button here. Uh, your telephone and uh, text. text me and let me know that you're there. Let's jump right into Ephesians chapter 2. We want to read in verse 14. The Bible said, for he is our peace. Take a note of that word, peace, and how often he uses it in this passage here. He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in us, in his flesh, sorry, the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself twain, making himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So the purpose of the cross was essentially to bring peace between God and sinful man. Sinful man couldn't do it. We needed a goel. We needed a, a go-between. We needed a mediator. And that's who Jesus was. And that's why he came to the earth in the form of flesh to die on the cross. Seventeen and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Two words I want you to take notice of there, and that is peace or shalom. And then the one uh verse in verse 18, the one word I want you to take note of there is the word access. And we're going to come back to that uh, in just a little bit. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we used this, uh, this title here, Shalom in the Home. And uh, we talked about some of the attributes of uh, the components of shalom or peace in the home. And uh, certainly peace in the home is an important thing. And we'll, we'll uh, jump on this uh, idea in a moment here. But I want to just quickly review Uh, some of the things we talked about last time when we talked about shalom in the home. Number one, we talked about this whole idea of the characteristics of biblical discipline, and and we used Hebrews chapter 12 as a guideline or a basis for that discussion. And uh, we talked about the necessity of discipline, which is to deter uh, destruction. We don't want to have our children to be destroyed. We don't want to have them to be destroyers. And the uh, the message is very simple, that uh, disciplined lives reap rewards always, and so we want to teach our children to have respect and to show respect in every way. Uh, it's not in the child's best interest to have their parents as their best friend all the time. It is rather for parents to act truly as the adults in the relationship and to be mentors and to be guides and also to correct children uh, when they are not acting correctly. And it's a, we actually rob children of something very valuable when we force them to become adults when they're still children. Or, equally so, when adults act like children. That is equally damaging. The second thing that we talked about was the means of discipline. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5, uh paul writes "Ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children my son despise not thou the chastening of the lord uh, which is a physical action that's the discipline or the hebrew word is yasar. and then also he says nor faint when thou art rebuked of him so we have an action that god uses but we also have god's words And so these are two different uh, Greek words that are found there, yasar and yakah. And uh, Paul says, don't faint when God uses both methods to chasten us and rebuke us, because we learn not only from God's actions in our lives, but we also learn from God's words. As well, number three, uh, there has to be a motive in discipline, for sure, and that is to express love. And uh, one of the ways that we express love in uh, relationships with our children is to set clear boundaries, fair boundaries. And one of the most powerful ways that you will discipline your children is to be consistent and fair in the application of discipline towards them. Because children are they're avid students of parental behavior. They, f- they realize when you're being um, disproportionate, uh, to one child versus the other. And uh, they're constantly taking notes of how you are acting in times of difficulty, in times of stress, in times of uh, calamity. They're always watching and always learning. Uh, the fourth thing that we talked about was the goal of discipline, which is to teach uh, obedience. And very simply, we could say it this way that what you want to do is put in place a discipline that reminds a child of what he's doing is incorrect so that he replaces that behavior with a good behavior, so that when you take away the discipline, the good behavior remains. And that's the idea. You want them to exhibit good behavior when you're not there, and when there is no motivation because of discipline, when there's nothing there that motivates them, except that the right behavior is the thing that is sought and the thing that is approved. The last thing we talked about is the result of discipline, which means that the short-term pain that we experience uh, really produces long-term gain. And that's what's very important when it comes to uh, discipline for our children and for our family. Now, uh, having said that, let's just look into this uh, prickly area of relations in the home. And this is uh, this is now getting a little bit more specific. Or rather than say the word prickly, maybe we could say, uh, to look at the interesting, um, the interesting uh, relationships and, and relations that exist in your home and to examine them in the light of God's word. I think that's a great thing. Uh, we know that um, the goal of discipline is uh, to suppress children's negative passions and develop them into healthy pursuits uh i i I've, i see it in in you know I, I i teach and we we congregate with uh me personally I, I, I gather with two of the older sunday school groups and i look at these uh kids who are from 13 years old and up and they have uh you can tell they have passions they have interests they have uh developing uh passions about things and my job is not to try to change that, but rather to try to direct that into something that's healthy that at the end of the day we can say that we've done god's will we've channeled that uh, in a way that's in harmony with god's will and that's what's really important so every every act of discipline has a goal, and our focus is not on discipline that's not the important thing. The goal is to have uh, a a kind of peaceful atmosphere in our home because uh, whatever happens in our home is what we're going to export to other places. We're going to export the spirit we have in our home to the church. We're going to export what we have in our home to other people's homes when we visit. We're going to export what we have in our home to your children's marriages. Uh, it's going to go directly into their marriage environment. So therefore, we want to um, make sure that we're exhibiting the right character because children's character very often is determined by how we act, and our character will determine how, how our, our, the, the character of, of our children will develop. And, and so that's what's important. The way that God deals with you and the way that you express real Christianity in your home is going to have an effect on the character of your children. And so, therefore, the the idea of discipline is not only for your children to act correctly, but it's also for us to act correctly and respond in the right way uh, to the chastening that comes from God. Because chastening still comes uh, from God, no matter how old you are, no no matter what station in life you are. You look at Brother Branham. Right to the end of his life, he had corrections that were made, uh, you know, in his life, in his ministry, and relations, and his family, and everything else. I mean, it was it was right to the very end of his days. And so, therefore, our children's character is going to be affected by how we act in every situation, and our character is very often, uh, or sorry, their character is very often determined by how. Um, how our character develops in the light of all the struggles that we uh that we face in life. Now, let's just let's just kind of look at this in the scripture here, okay? And this is the motivation that I have for dealing with this subject at all and wading into this because like I say this is really uh it it, it I think it'll get interesting. I, I have that gut feeling. Zechariah chapter 8 and the Bible says so again have I thought in these days to do well unto Jerusalem and to the house of Judah, fear ye not. And and I just want to uh, preface this little verse and say that uh, this is Zechariah talking about the future days of Israel, that uh, God was going to disperse them, but he would bring them back. And when he brought them back, he had a specific design for how they would inhabit the land again and how they would come back and be defended by God and how they would resist the pressures uh, of other nations against them and how they would shine in a day after so much darkness through the ages. And we know that's true, right? That's happened. So here's what uh, Zechariah says to them. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak ye every man, the truth to his neighbor and execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor and love no false oath for all these things that I hate are things that I hate, saith the Lord. So whenever the phrase inside your gates or in your gates is mentioned, uh, it is a reference to where you live and where you raise your family, where you have a little congregation, if you like, and where you exercise influence. And so he says that every one of you should execute judgment of truth and peace in your gates. Now, uh, I was looking up the meaning of that in the Hebrew uh, language there, and in the Hebrew Bible, and it it, it is like, uh, if I could explain it this way, it's very much like a court case is uh, unraveled. Uh, no matter no matter what the opposition may say, when somebody is wanting to defend their side, whether it's the uh, you know the the defense or the prosecution, no matter what it is. They want to be able to uncover all the evidence they can and look at all the the facts, not just the feelings, but the facts, and look at the circumstances and evidence that surrounds what happened so they can make the best and fair judgment of something and find out what the truth is. In In other words, they're going to have to dig deep in order to find what the truth is and express it in such a way that there is absolutely no doubt that this is the right thing for us to do. And when the right thing is expressed, that it brings peace inside your home. And that's what we're talking about, shalom in the home. So he says, these are the things that ye shall do. This is what the children of Israel shall do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Be known by the fact that you are a truthful, faithful, honorable person. And execute the judgment of truth, and peace in your gates. I really like that. So that's a commission that's given to uh, God's people. And that's the thing that God delights in. That's what he loves. If we find another place in Psalm 128, and, and this is the entire Psalm. It's only a short one, but take a look at it and see what David says. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. And this is literally talking of a man here. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Notice now, if a man walks in truth, then his, fruit become, his wife becomes a fruitful vine. Thy children shall be like olive plants round about thy table. And I mentioned to you before about how quickly olive plants grow and how vines will grow and they will latch on to... Uh, You know, vinyl siding and, and brick and they'll work their way up the side of the house. Verse four, behold, thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. And yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. We find the word peace in here again, exactly the same uh, meaning here, shalom. And you shall see intergenerational peace when we have children's children and peace upon Israel. In other words, you're, you're, you're sowing you're setting the foundation for peace, not only in your your family, but your extended family and down the road and peace in your nation as well. And it all begins when a man fears the Lord. So in other words, he learns what God requires. He finds out what makes God happy and what pleases the Lord. And he begins to not only know that, but he walks in the in, in God's ways. And that's what's very important. But when he does that, here's the beautiful thing. When he does that, there is an automatic response within his household. When a man learns the way of the Lord, follows the way of the Lord, walks in the way of God, then his house is blessed. And that's why I said in the beginning that your children's character is a direct result of the way that God deals with you, and you respond to uh, the training and chastening of the Lord. And not only that, but your wife is involved as well. So your wife is not a separate entity Your children are not separate entities. God put that family together, and the family is affected by what that man does. And uh, even though we're not responsible for the outcome, your prayer is that Lord let me walk faithfully so that you can bless my household. And that would be should be the prayer of every man. I would love to take a men's meeting where we can just discuss things like this. Um, I, 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 I enjoy our men's meetings, and I think they're profitable. But I, I think um, sometimes it would be really great to have a weekend where we could just talk about these things here and encourage men to fear the Lord and walk in his ways and enjoy the labor of your hands. Happy shalt thou be. We need a dose of happiness in our lives and uh, it shall be well with thee. I, I want to be able to prosper in a in a material way, a way of health and a way of my whole family being blessed and this is how we do it. And uh, there are specific things that God would have uh, have in mind. Let me give you a couple. All right, here they are. And you've heard this quote before, so I'm just going to read this briefly. Brother Brandon, what activities should our preteen children participate in, and how should we go about helping them select their associates? I don't think this should be restricted to just preteen Uh, children, in other words, up to 12 years old, and then we stop doing this, this is good advice for years, okay, For, for your children's lives. Keep them in Christian company as long as you possibly can. If it's a girl, keep her with Christian girls, Christian boys, vice versa. If she's old enough to go with a boy, see that she keeps the right kind of boy and discourage her to any boy, otherwise boy or girl. Hey, listen, that's good advice, even all the way out to pre-marriage years. Uh, if it's the right kind of a boy, then we want to make sure that uh, that's the kind of uh, fellow that our, our daughters, uh, you know, get to get acquainted with. And we should be teaching our daughters to be selective. We should be teaching our boys to be discerning and selective as well to pick a girl. and And don't Don't start to get involved with somebody uh, unless it's the right kind of a boy. Don't get involved with an unbeliever, but get involved with a, a boy of good character because that's going to pay well in the future. If she's going with an unbeliever, try to encourage her to go with a believer and vice versa. Well, Brother Branham says it. Then he says, make your home nice. Make your home a place where your daughter or son will not be ashamed to bring their company before their father and mother and into their house. And make home so happy that they'll be pleased in their home to stay there and amen I think it's all right to amen yourself because I, I I you know what I've I've read this quote a hundred thousand times and it just makes more sense every time I read it make your home nice I remember a doctor telling me one time that uh, he treated a patient who was obese. They were overweight. And he said, I said the standard things to this patient and they needed to take this medicine and do this and try to lose some weight. And the woman looked at him and said, how, how do I do that? And he said, the question so shocked him that, uh he realized I don't really have an answer for her. I don't really have a way to tell her. And he began to study on that subject. And since then he made it a kind of a life's calling to help people, uh, who were in that, uh, you know, position of having tried to lose weight and tried to become more healthy and get down to an appropriate BMI. And he really helped a lot of people over, over many years. And I knew that doctor. And, uh, so I, I use that example to say this, and I'm, I'm being very selective to comments like that because I realized there was a study done that said that uh, women who actually, um, well, <laughs> um, tell you what, I'll leave that. We leave that for another time, all right, because I, I want to um, just stay focused here if you don't mind. I said that little story to, to, to make this point. Here's Brother Branham telling us to make our home nice. Well, how do we do it? Make your home a place where your son and daughter won't be ashamed to bring their company. Well, how do we do that? Make our home happy. How do we do that? And that's a good question. So if if you don't mind, let's just look a little further here into this. Brother Branham says, I love you. And he says, I'm here uh, with all my heart to try to help you and try to help you to make your home a better place to live. And to make the community you live in a horrible place to do evil and an easier place to do right. That's the idea. That's a great statement. He says, I'm here to try to help you to make your home a better place to live and your community a hard place to do evil. I I appreciate our little community that we have here, uh, where I live and, uh, we have about eight eight homes, I think, in the area here. And uh, we communicate. We, we uh, you know, we uh, interact with one another in, in uh, just casual ways. Um, and they're all from different backgrounds and so forth, you know. But we get to know one another and just, you know, throw up our hand when we're going down the road and roll down the window and say hello. And uh, we talk to one another, loan tools to one another. And that's a very important thing. And we interact with, with one another. And as a result of that, whenever there's been any sort of trouble, uh, the com- our little community responds quickly. And, and that's a great thing to to have. We should have that. And Brother Branham was telling the people at the beginning of this meeting out in Phoenix, Arizona, he said, that's why. That's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm here to try to help you and uh, help you make your home better. Well, let's look at that a little bit further. In a message called Love, Brother Branham said, if you learn to love and be kind to everybody, And to be gentle and have patience, it'll even make your home life different. It'll make your associations different, and God will honor you. He says, now, I've tried it. If you learn to love and to be kind to everybody and to be gentle and have patience, it will affect your home. It'll make your associations with people different, and God will honor that. Well, I want to I learn that. I want to learn the way uh, to do things that God will honor. Hey, we make mistakes. We get overtired. We get overworked. We get overextended. We have situations that land on our doorstep that we did not anticipate. We have problems that we have to deal with that maybe we did not cause. There are things in life that change, like your health because you're getting a little bit older or your job situation because your boss decided to move to China or whatever else. There are things that come up that you had nothing to do with. They're out of your control, but they happen anyway. We want to learn to be gentle, to have patience. We want to learn things that will be honorable and that God will honor as well. We have frustrations in our homes. We have, uh, you know, sometimes I will say this, that, uh, you know, a home can be disrupted and the shalom in the home can be uh, disrupted or even bound because of, of a breakdown in a relationship between even just two people. There might be five or six people living in the home, but if the relationship is strained between even two people. The the shalom in the home can be disrupted. So it can be a a mother and a son or a father and a daughter. It can be between husband and wife. Uh, It can be between siblings even. And and there are a number of different things here. But I've seen situations where, uh, you know, there can be a breakdown between, oh, even if you have a blended family, like so if you have a husband and wife and they have stepchildren. And those parents agree to raise those children like their own. And all of a sudden, those step-parents begin to discipline their uh, stepchildren. And those stepchildren will, you know, when they get to an age and maybe they don't think that's fair, maybe they don't think it's right, it can, be, it can be right, but they resent the discipline. They resent the boundaries that are put in place there. Maybe it could be a curfew or something else. It can be a timeout. And they'll immediately go to their biological parents and say, hey, so-and-so is picking on me, and you're not even my father, you're not even my mother, and you're making me do this. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's this flare-up that goes on between, uh, you know, stepchildren and stepparents, and, and that can be a real strain. But I will, what I'm learning is that this is a very, very common thing. And so when you have a situation like that that requires even extra study And this is what the quote says here. And if you learn to love, there are certain situations where it doesn't always come so natural. You have to learn to love. If that's not your child, but it's a stepchild, you have to learn to love that child uh, in a complete way. But you also have to learn uh, the ways of that child because their nature is wired uh, in association with biological parents. So when you think about adoptive parents and you think about all the different blended situations that there are today, uh, there are real challenges to, uh, you know, to be able to balance or juggle things in the home. And you have to learn to love in your situation. Uh, It's not always a, uh, you know, a a, a nuclear family. It's not always uh, the nice setup that we would, uh, you know, love to have. There are situations where you have grandchildren or you have uh, adopted children or you have stepchildren and you have to learn to love. And so this challenge is one that you have to take very seriously and uh, to be able to provide for your children and to be able to uh, encourage them in the right way. And this is this is what uh, this whole little series is all about, because every one of us want to have a relationship together uh, with those in our uh, immediate sphere. I've shown you this slide before. It's the four basic life needs that we have. And I just want to deal with one of them tonight. That's the third one. It's the need for all human beings. These are basic life needs. We all need to have an experience of trustful relatedness. We need to have a a, a solid relationship with God, with family, and with other people. That's kind of a, a, a at a base level. We need to know that we are connected to to God. We are connected to a family and we are connected to another body of people. It could be your church family. It could be, uh, people you, you associate with and work with. All of us need to have that experience of trustful, trustful relatedness, uh, in our lives because, uh, it doesn't work to have people, uh, you know, who are isolated and isolated for long periods of time. It doesn't work. They found out you can't leave babies in a crib without interaction with somebody. They found out that uh, kids who live in orphanages don't prosper. They found that uh, you know people who live in the wilderness and want to get away from it all that does not work. They do not come out balanced when they attempt to do that. When people you know say they're going to run away from the family and they you know they run away, I know, boy. Uh, who ran away from his family here in Virginia and was on his way to New York to join a gang. And the reason why kids join gangs, I mean, common sense would tell you that it's a bad thing for you to join a gang. But the reason that they do it and the motivation is because they want to be a part of a unit, which is like a family. If they don't feel connected to to a, a natural family, They're going to gravitate to some family somewhere, and even if it's bad, and even if the kids are up to things that are not good, they're still going to seek that connectedness or relatedness to a family, even if that family is something like a street gang. It's an amazing thing. I mean, I could not imagine, uh, you know, a family or an individual wanting to do that, but people do it, and they do it all the time, and so it's an inherent, basic human need that needs to be met. So therefore, we want to make sure that our kids feel like they have a connection uh, to a uh, to, to the right kind of people in their life and also to God. Brother Branham's desire was the same thing. We find at the end of the Church Age book, Brother Branham said, you, you're familiar with this statement. Let me refresh your memory. Not for one moment, do I bring a message to the people that they may follow me or join my church or start some fellowship or organization? I have never done that and will not do that now. I have no interest in those things, I do, n- I, but I do have an interest in the things of God and people. If I can accomplish just one thing, I will be satisfied. That one thing is to see established a true spiritual relationship between God and men wherein men become new creations in Christ, filled with his spirit, and they live according to his word. That's what's really important to Brother Branham. It was never important for Brother Branham to have a statue with his image on it. It was never important for him to us to worship him or to baptize in his name. It was never his interest to do that. It was always his interest to point to Christ. He said, I am a son of man revealing the son of man. And that's exactly what his life's goal was and his life's message was. And so it's important for us to be a part of the right uh, the right relationship and the right relationship with God. Now let's, let's look at it this way. And I want you to think of this little statement here, two ways. When God's love is projected to you, brings you, then God's love projected to you, brings you and makes you a part of him in the new birth. And that puts you in relationship with God. So there's the first thing that satisfies a human, the basic human need when God projects his love to you and brings you and makes you a part of him in the new birth that puts you in a relationship with God. Let me tell you, that's got to be the first relationship that a person pursues. Naturally, children are bounded with their parents, but it is important for youth as, as young as possible to learn to respond to the spirit of God calling them And bringing them into a relationship with God through the new birth. Not just an association with the church. And not just association with the youth group. But the focus is on a relationship with God through a new birth. And God who created all things by his power through his spoken word. And everything that is, is the word of God made manifest. The entire world was made. How do we err when and how we do err? when we try to ignore God's word or try to limit God's power by our own imagination. For the very earth that you're sitting over tonight is only the word of God manifest or uh, expressed. And God said, let there be, and there was, then what faith we should have in him and have in his word. We definitely should have that. So therefore, let me say this, that the primary relation the primary relationship experience you should have is with God, and right next to that, and we've defined this in the Hebrew language and so forth, right next to that primary relationship with God is a relationship between a husband and wife, and they are to submit themselves one to another, and wives submit to them uh, submit to yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. And therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So husband was submissive, wife is submissive. And that applies in marriage all the way, right through to the very end. And so Jesus submitted himself to the cross and the death that he died, that he might not only redeem the church, but have the church exclusively unto himself. It is the passion, the desire of every woman to want to be chosen, to want to have a man say, you are mine and mine alone, and you are mine forever. And we are to have no other relationship like this. And that's the passion of every woman, to have that. To have a man fight over her, to have a man fight for her, to have a man choose her, and so this is what Christ did for us, and therefore our love is reciprocated. Our love is uh, responds to His love in in that we were chosen and predestinated by Him. So also do we love and respond uh, in kind that we submit our lives to Him, and so Paul carries on and says in verse 31 here, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, because the marriage relationship and the spiritual relationship between the bride and Christ is so closely intertwined, or they're so closely associated, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So these are things that the Apostle Paul teaches because they're going to be the foundation of every family and the foundation of every uh, of every home and every relationship with Christ. And he, and he, he, he doesn't work at, uh, uh, you know, really trying to make, make them two entirely separate things. He's allowing us to see that they're very closely related relationships. So the relationship that the church has with Christ and a relationship that uh, exists between a husband and wife that affects everything. Everything going forward now is affected by these two. And whether it's in your home, whether it's in your Christian walk, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your ministry, whatever it is, this, these relationships that we've just described here in Ephesians five, they ripple right out into eternity. Okay. So this is, this is the kind of the graphic way that uh, I could express it here. um, That, that, Christ is the head of uh, the husband, so we all have headship. Children have headship, wives have headship, husbands have headship. And so uh, this is the way that God designed it. And uh, children obey your parents in the Lord. So children have two heads, and that's really important. Okay? So this is the the graphic image here of the structure that God wants the church to see. And so this is the uh, the second thing here that... Uh, the relationship between Christ and the bride is critical. And we know that the head of Christ is God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And when all of this is fulfilled, then this whole setting resides in the new Eden eventually. And here it is summarized in Brother ram's sermon, He That Is In You. He said, He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. It's God in you like he was in Christ, in Jesus Christ. God in you like he was in Jesus Christ stop can God be in you like he was in Christ the answer is yes but remember now he was in him in the fullness he's in us in part can God do things through you like he did through Jesus the answer yes remember now We are subject to his leading. And Jesus himself said, I do that only which the Father shows me. Whatever pleases the Father, that's what I do. So if Christ is in us, like God was in Christ, then we should say, Lord, whatever your will, not mine. Because what all God was, He poured into Christ and what all Christ was, he poured into the church and that makes God in you. That's really great. That's a really powerful thought. That is a bride thought. That is an eternal thought. I believe that this Mm -hmm. image you're looking at here, this statement is one that comes from eternity. I really believe that. This is the condescending of God for the restoration of the church back to Eden. This is how God did it. It's amazing how Brother Branham could embrace such great and eternal concepts in a couple of sentences. It it really is amazing. And he understood this principle, and this is a principle worth understanding here. So it's not all of God in me but I am a part of the body that Jesus Christ poured himself into in the Gentile dispensation. And that means it's God in me. So if I have a teaspoonful of water out of the ocean, I have the same water that is in the entire ocean. I don't have it all, but I have exactly the same thing. And if I have the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the new birth, I have exactly what was in Christ when He walked on the earth. Even if it's only a token amount, it's exactly the same thing. Wow! Hey, we could end right here. Uh, we could we could we could stop right here and uh, and look at that. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a wonderful thing. All right, here Brother Ma'am says it again. Okay, uh, Christians, you must have a personal relationship to God in order to be a son of God. You must become Relation to God, He must be your Father in order for you to be a son, and a new birth is the only thing that produces relationship to God. So let's just let's just pause for a moment here and and say this that the idea of us having a relationship with God is not new. We we talk about that a lot, and that's a really really critical foundational piece uh, of the entire story, Christian story. It is how we begin our walk. It's how we walk the walk. It's how we are successful in the walk. By successful, I mean that we make it all the way to glory. We could never walk this walk without Christ in us, and that's how he comes is through through the new birth. But the other relations that are important to your life are the relations that exist in your home. And first of all, the important relationship is between husband and wife. And the quality of that relationship will affect everything else that happens in your home. Let me summarize a few principles here and say this. Brother Branham teaching in questions and answers about a parent's request about, you know, how do we, how do we go about dealing with our preteen children? Uh, you know, typical kids and they're, they're forming associations now with other kids, uh, maybe in their school or maybe on their neighborhood. And he's telling them now is when you got to begin to learn how to love your kids in a, in a unique way because we're not mixers in the world. We are not integrators into everything that's going on. We are not free thinkers in letting our kids do whatever feels good, but we're trying to instill in our kids a moral boundary so that their behavior is correct, even when we're not there. That's the goal. I want my, I, I've always wanted my boys to be able to raise their kids correctly because they had an example of what I did and what my wife did. And so they could learn from me because I was not always going to be with them. And when they established their own households and raise their own children, I wanted them to be able to instill the right character and, the, and establish the right moral boundaries in their children's lives because they would be my children's children. And I have a, 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 a real sincere interest in my children's children. Here's what's true. That when a house is boring, a kid will go elsewhere for excitement. And before long, If your house is full of strife, for instance, children will try to get away from that. They'll try to move away from that home. And your role will be reduced to that of a cop or a policeman. I don't like that word cop. Your authority over your children will be dictated by something that looks more like threats and bribery rather than inspiration and affection. And I never wanted to have that. I never wanted to have to threaten my kids or... Uh, you know, to bribe them to do right, uh, rather, you know, to be able to have the right kind of affection and the right kind of inspiration. That's not the way I wanted to, uh, you know, to, to live my life with my children is to be constantly establishing curfews and to be portioning out discipline to them. Uh, I, in, in order to listen, in order to do it right, you got to embrace your, This is what somebody said, and I'm quoting here. You got to embrace your inner preschool teacher, your inner clown, your inner cruise director. In short, you got to make your home as fun, inspiring, exciting, and joyful as you possibly can, and then you can put the billy club and the handcuffs down for good. Listen, uh, your home is meant to be a place that they're happy to be in, and happy to remain in, and happy to bring their friends in. And I I didn't want to be a, uh, you know, a a jailer or a, a Juvenile uh, uh, or a prison guard. <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I didn't, I didn't want to live my life like that. I, I didn't want to, um, you know, have have to constantly be thinking about discipline. There's got to be a better way, and I think it's important for us to to begin to look at that because um, there are there are situations that uh, every household goes through, and usually it goes through things because relationships shift. So sometimes when your kids grow older and, you know, they have new interests and they have new passions about things, when we withhold the right kind of emotion from each other, uh, the emotions will, uh, that will affect things in the household. As a matter of fact, I would say this, the relationships will break when we hold our emotions in, in the wrong way, relationships will break when we hold our emotions in, in the wrong way. In a marriage where husband and wife experience a good relationship with one another and have joy and have affection, that house can be full of light. It can be a house full of peace. And that's really uh, important. Or, Or let's say it this way. Sometimes people in a family can be saying, my goodness, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But you know what's true about that statement? The grass is greener wherever you cultivate it and water it and care for it. That's where the grass is most green, is wherever you work at the grass. I had somebody who came to my house today. We, we mowed our lawn uh, to, today, and it looks really nice. You know, when you get that new new mown look, and they, they look at it, and they say, wow, what did you, what did you do? with your lawn, like, how did you make it look so nice and green? And I said, well, number one, it's spring. Everything looks green in the spring. Come back in August, and then we'll we'll discuss it again. And secondly, uh, I had a soil test done when I first moved here to Virginia, and I uh, brought her over to Virginia Tech, and they looked at it, and they said, your soil is alkaline, so you need some lime on your lawn. Mm-hmm. So now I have three and a half acres, and uh, I looked at this, and I said, Yeah, I'm not going to buy enough lime to do three and a half acres. I'm not a farmer after all. So I just bought a couple of bags of lime and Peter and I, we spread that out and uh, did it by with a hand spreader. And we just kind of walked around and spread the lime out over a couple of years. We even threw the lime out on the snow so that when the snow melted, the lime just kind of worked its way into the soil. And as a result of that, the grass grew strong. You know, I didn't weed out all the weeds. I didn't. I didn't take out all the dandelion, all the weeds that were there because you don't need to. If you make the grass strong and treat the grass like grass, um, it 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 reacts like grass. And and that's why we have such nice grass is because we treated it like grass and uh, we gave it the nourishment it needed. We gave it the care and attention it needed. We didn't need to go anywhere else to find a good lawn. You might be sitting there tonight and saying, well, the grass is greener on the other side. looks like that family is having a much better time than we are. What you need to do is learn to cultivate green grass on your side of the fence. It's possible. Very often it's possible when we begin to change or adjust our attitude about how things are in our side of the fence. We want to water things on our side of the fence. Because... When we hold emotions in and we don't properly express them, we don't deal with conflict and we can't be corrected. Anger springs up. Anger is destructive in every single family, no matter which way anger is expressed, whether it's expressed in hateful expressions or whether it's expressed physically or whether it's expressed in avoidance It is still destructive in a family. And I will tell you, from my experience, anger breeds loneliness. When a person really feels alone and they experience loneliness, sometimes it can be caused by the amount of anger they have. They may not even know they have it. But because people like to avoid an angry person, they wind up being alone and not understanding what the key to that loneliness is. That's important for us to think about. Because if we let the Holy Spirit in, if we open our hearts a little bit based on what I'm telling you, Then we can eliminate anger as an isolator, even though it feels good sometimes to vent your rage and, you know, to hold a grudge against somebody and to feel like you're justified in doing that. It's a false satisfaction. Anger does not produce the right kind of effect in your family. It'll always cut you off from other people. My goodness, our time has run out. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to watch how sometimes people will even use social media and express their anger. And when they do that, they can get 500 likes overnight. And feel very justified that everything I've said is something that needed to be said. But they could not take that same expression and put it in a room full of their own family. They could not take that expression and put it into a room full of co-workers because people tire of the wrong expression of frustration after a while. What we need to do in this particular subject here, because it is true, anger is a very toxic thing. And when we have a toxic environment, nothing grows. Matter of fact, things are produced that really eat away at everything you've tried to accomplish in your life. So this is an important issue, and we're, we're going to have to wrap it up here. But Let's just say this, that uh, if we're going to have shalom in the home, one of the things we have to deal with is anger. And we may act a certain way out in the workplace or in the school or, you know, outside the home. But if we maintain or or, sorry, we retain all of that anger and spill it out at, at home at our children or at our parents or at our spouse or at our siblings, let me tell you, that family, that family and the shalom in that family can be threatened. That's what I'm trying to to put across to you. And so my advice to you as a family is there are times when, and, and it needs to be the right time for you to talk about things openly, talk about things honestly, talk about things in a way that does not, uh, it's not intended to, to destroy anybody. But to be willing to say, I'm going to take the short-term criticism because I want to have long-term peace. Long-term peace is what we're after here, because it's not possible to have short-term peace and long-term peace all the time. That's, we'll have that in, in heaven, but we won't have it on earth. There are times when you need to have a little short-term upset in order to achieve long-term shalom. I was in a conversation with somebody who knows me very well recently. And, uh, they made a comment to me. And before they made the comment, they made the preface and said, "Now don't be be upset when I tell you this. But they were giving me an honest assessment. And I felt bad when they said it. But I've thought about it since then. And I certainly don't feel any grudge or any uh, anger at all towards that person. I appreciated what they had to say. And what they had to say was right, even though I didn't think that that was true of me when I first heard it. But I've thought about it and I prayed about it. And I thought, wow, that's an area that I need to to uh, sharpen my skills, sharpen my communication skills. And it was about communication. And I realized now I've, I've kind of looked at uh, my communications a little bit differently. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about my communications among, you know, just in conversation with people. And I, I realized, you know what? I'm not as good as what I thought. I'm not as effective as what I thought. I don't always get the, the right idea across. And I've done some apologizing and I realized that's an area I need to be a little bit more careful about because you can say things and it will uh, upset the apple cart. But if I'm going to achieve long-term peace with my family or with people I love, then I'm going to have to make some sh- changes in the short term in order to get this right. Hey, we all want to be connected with our family. I, I got to tell you this and I'll, I'll close with this thought that I was in uh, North Carolina yesterday in the mountains. I mean, now I was in the mountains and I had been to this little gravesite where brother Greg, uh, was buried and it's on, on the side of a mountain and a windy little dirt road. And, uh, I was uh, there maybe s- seven or eight years ago. I can't really remember yesterday. I was barreling down through there, following my GPS. It was still uh, showing up there on the screen and went right past the graveyard, didn't see it, and over the mountain, went one mountain too far, got down on the bottom of a mountain, and I will tell you something, I felt like I was in the middle of nowhere. Not only that, but the road had been washed out, and there was one place where I was on a little narrow passage. It was just as wide as my truck and no wider, and there was a cliff about, oh, I don't know, not exaggerating, it was about two miles straight down the cliff. It it was, I was going to take a picture for the boys because I knew they would not have believed me when I tell them this story. Uh, But I was too nervous to roll down my window and wait on that little patch of pavement. Uh, So I just kept going and got to the bottom of the mountain, finally flagged down a truck and asked them where they were because now the GPS was not working, no internet connection and they said, Ah, oh, you you went too far. You got to turn around and go back up the mountain. And I thought, oh Lord, maybe this is the end of my life. And uh the end of everything, you know, because I got to go back up that mountain again. And uh they said uh, yeah, they said to me, Well, sir, the road's kind of rough going back up the mountain, but it gets better on the other side. And I said, You don't need to convince me of that. I know that the road is rough coming down the side of the mountain. But they said, Yep, that's the only road, it's the only way you can go. So I was either hike it or drive up the side of the mountain. So I did, I set off up there and I was thinking, what if I went through this little hole in the pavement? What if I dropped, you know, two miles straight down in the canyon? And I was thinking the only thing I could do is there was a little thing on my phone that said, uh, I only had emergency service left. And it said there was a little pin On my, on my phone there, where I was, the location that I was. And so Lucas had told me one time about how these pins work. And I thought, I'm just going to try to send this pin to him. So if I, if I go down in the ravine or I die here of starvation or the mountain lion comes and gets me or whatever else, at least they'd know where I took my last steps. And I knew that I could text my wife or send a pin to my sons and I had, had at least that connection. It was only a little one, but I had a connection. All I'm saying to you is this, every one of us want to belong. And if it's your last moments on the earth, you want to communicate with the people you love because relationships are important. And I wanted to make sure that they had a connection with me, no matter how bad things got and no matter how lost I was, I wanted them to have a a connection, some way of finding me or a way of locating me somehow. And, uh, you know, I made it, I made it up the mountain. I made it to the funeral. I made it, I was late, but I made it and I made it home. Thank God, uh, got back, uh, into civilization. But I was I was thinking down there, man, I only have just a a little bit of a connection. I want to make that count. And I, I just encourage you tonight. If you have a family that's close to you, if you have loved ones that are around you, make the most of your connections. Don't squander those connections. You should be praying and say, Lord, I want to have shalom in my home. But i got to have shalom in my heart first. A man's got to follow the law. His wife will be affected by that. His children will be affected by that. But a man's got to follow the law. For, he's got to follow God's word first if he walks in God's ways. that's what That's what we want to do. There's a beginning place for all of it. And if we don't have the right peace in our home, there are ways around it. To learn how to love, to show patience, to be able to show kindness to one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together tonight and what we see in the Bible that helps us to be able to produce shalom in our home. And Father, I pray now that you would forgive us of our mistakes, which in many cases, Lord, we've made a number of errors and maybe not establishing your priorities in our home life, but maybe our own, trying to duplicate the homes we came out of or trying to establish our ambitions too, too fervently. Lord, may we be mindful of your ways and may we walk in your ways. Bless each family represented here, Lord. And those are young people, Lord, who are reaching out in life and beginning relationships. Lord, may they learn to choose wisely. May they learn to begin to practice these things even now before they're committed so that they can walk more easily in the light of the word of the Lord when they are committed. And I pray the Lord, that you would just help us to make the most of every relationship we have. and We might live in a way that's pleasing unto you. Bless the people, minister to those who are sick. And Father, we pray that you would watch over your people until we meet again in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, folks. Thanks for coming.